Hey there, and welcome into another edition of the In Layman's Terms podcast. I'm Steve Layman, the sports anchor at News Channel 5 at Nashville and the play-by-play voice of Belmont men's basketball. And I'm excited for today's show because we're going to have one of the all-time greats of Belmont basketball. We're going to talk with Evan Brass, who was really one of the stars of one of the great runs under legendary coach Rick Bird. As a matter of fact, to this day, He's still the all-time leading scorer in the Division I era of Belmont basketball. He played on some of those great teams with Craig Bradshaw and Monza Agakeze. And he was roommates with Taylor Barnett when he hit the great shot against Murray State in the 2015 OVC Championship. Had the opportunity to play in an NCAA tournament. Some great memories, some great moments back then. And he's really turned a lot of heads with what he's done post his playing career as well. He he use that Belmont experience and the connections there and Coach Bird to land an opportunity in the NBA. And he's worked his way up there from the G League to kind of administrative and developmental roles in the Boston Celtics organization. And now he is an assistant coach for the Utah Jazz, where he just served as the head coach for the Jazz Summer League team this summer out in Salt Lake City and then Las Vegas. He's got a wealth of experience both with Belmont and college and now on the NBA level. Some great stories as well. So I hope you'll sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the In Layman's Terms podcast with Utah Jazz assistant coach and former Bruins legend, Evan Brass. Well, we are happy to welcome to the program great friend of Belmont basketball, star player, still the all-time leading scorer in the Division I era, Evan Brads. Evan, how you doing, man? Uh, all is well out here in Utah, uh, gearing up for the season. Uh, we have about two weeks left till training camp, so just getting ready. Yeah, you're gearing up for an NBA season with the Jazz, but you've had a pretty busy summer. I mean, what have you done this summer? Anything? <laughs> uh, well, we had a uh, we had summer league. I was I was pretty busy during summer league, but um, since then I haven't had a whole lot going on. A couple workouts here and there, but you know, enjoying some downtime. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about Summer League, because the last time I actually physically saw you, you were wearing a Belmont uniform and dominating inside in the paint. And then this summer I turned on the TV and there you are on the bench coaching the Jazz Summer League team. How did that happen? And was there any thought by you to putting on a sweater vest as the head coach of your first team for the first time? Um, well, the sweater vest... Uh... It was a little hot in Vegas for the sweater vest. Uh, <laughs> Fair. It would have been bad for the sweat. Um, but how it happened, you know, it was just honestly an amazing opportunity that I was lucky to have. You know, uh, the process that went into it, you know, honestly, Will and the whole Utah Jazz, like, franchise put some a lot of faith in me uh, and gave me that opportunity. Um I'm very thankful to them for that. And, you know, it was awesome. Um, it was about a month uh, of being the head coach. Uh, you know, we had the Salt Lake Summer League and then we had the Vegas Summer League. So uh, about two or three weeks of games and, you know, we got a couple wins. So it was a really good experience. What did you learn in that month of the game planning, rotations, teaching guys, all that stuff when it's all you? in that time what did you learn in that month of being a head coach well it's got to be the hardest job 
you know, when it comes to coaching and basketball, you know, um, at the end of the day, everything's on you. Um, being the head coach, you know, you're responsible for everything you just said and more. And there's always things you don't think about. And, you know, I think no matter how ready you think you are, like, especially I know I thought I was going to be ready to handle the sideline. And, you know, you never really know until you're up there. Um, but it was awesome. It was a great experience. Was there like any moment as you're, you're sitting there thinking like, wow, I'm, I'm really doing this, you know, like I'm in the middle of an NBA game essentially and I'm the guy. Yeah. So our first game uh, of Salt Lake summer league, you know, we have unbelievable basketball fans out here in Utah and walking out of the tunnel to our arena being like the lower bowl was full. I was very like, it was a surreal moment, you know? Um, and that was probably when I was like, Oh shoot, like I'm going to be standing on the sideline by myself at times. So um, I'm glad that that happened first, the first game, um, but it was awesome. Very cool. Indeed. Take me back to last summer when Will Hardy's named the head coach of the jazz and like immediately what are the steps that then happened that took you from Boston to Utah? Yeah. So he got the job. Um, you know, I was extremely pumped for him, happy for him. You know, someone you get to work with a lot gets that opportunity. You're obviously happy for them. Uh, and then a couple of days later, he, he called me and asked me, um, if, you know, I would come out here to Utah with him and, you know, help him out and join his staff. Uh, I had to, I talked it over with my wife for a couple of days and, you know, we just thought it'd be an opportunity that we couldn't pass up. So, you know, we, I probably left like a week later, you know, um, and thankful that my wife was great in handling all that. She took care of everything. Um, but yeah, and we moved out here August 5th of last year. So. Wow. So just over, I guess, 13 months now being out there in Utah, Obviously, you've been around basketball your entire life. We'll talk about maybe the coaching aspect a little bit more in just a second. But, like, did you ever imagine that this was sort of the life, that you'd be in Boston one day with the Celtics, and then the next day you're talking with your wife about, hey, let's move two time zones west to the mountains, and let's be part of the Utah Jazz organization? Uh, yeah, absolutely not. Um, you know – I probably thought my basketball career would stop after Belmont. You know, I never really thought of coaching until, you know, the very end when, you know, I, I, I gave up playing. Um, but yeah, just the experiences you've said, whether it was even before that going to Maine to work in the G league for a year, you know, I never thought I would live in places like Portland, Maine or Boston or even Salt Lake city, Utah. But, you know, it's been a, it's been a crazy was six or seven years now, but uh, um, it's been one that I wouldn't trade for anything. Evan, you just mentioned it, that when you took off the Belmont uniform for the last time, you weren't completely sure what was next. How did this process begin? Because you've really worked your way up to now be in a position where you're, you're an assistant coach on a team and you're, you're coaching a team by yourself in the summer league and all that. This has been quite the journey, but how did it begin? Well, after Belmont, I thought I was going to play forever, you know, um, but unfortunately my body gave up on me pretty quick um, after, you know, I tore my ACL and tore my knee up pretty bad. But um, looking back at it, it was probably like the best thing that ever happened to me. 
uh, when it came to my future. Um, you know, that kind of set me on the path that I had to find something else to do. And, you know, luckily for me, I got a chance to, you know, get into coaching pretty early um, with my first job being in Maine in the G League. And, you know, as I look back at it, like I said, it was probably the best thing that ever happened. Yeah, it's interesting. We've had a couple other guests on the podcast who, who talked about injuries. They were both former Belmont women's basketball players in Madison Blevins Hawk now and Paris Lawson. I'm not sure how familiar you are with each of them, but they both went through injuries that then led them into broadcasting careers where they've been very, very successful. I guess to use a terrible like quote, how did your injuries, how, how did you sort of turn lemons into lemonade out of that situation to find out that, Hey, maybe I want to be in the coaching side of things after all. Yeah. Well, like I said, I didn't know if I wanted to do coaching. It never really crossed my mind um, until the opportunity presented itself. Um, I remember talking to coach bird uh, just about the opportunity. And he was like, well, if you don't like it, you just don't have to do it anymore. You know, <laughs> if you just try it, see what happens. Um, and as simple as it was, it was great advice. Um, and I fell in love with it. You know, it was a way for me to stay around the game. Um, obviously, wasn't going to be playing anymore. But, you know, I fell in love with the process, the the daily schedule of coming into work early, you know, getting on the court with the guys. Um, the games are great, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I just fell in love with the process, and it was something that I wanted to keep doing. Um, and here we are. Some of those Belmont fans who followed you back then may have kind of followed the story of how you got involved with the Celtics, and they certainly know Coach Bird's relationship with Brad Stevens. But how important was that relationship between those two gentlemen, and how much did they both influence you as you started this journey? Well, I think if they didn't have a relationship, there wouldn't have been a start. You know, um, they're both incredible human beings. You know, they're obviously very, very good at what they do, but I would argue that they're both better human beings than they are at basketball, basketball coaches, basketball executives, whatever. Um, but yeah, without that relationship, you know, I wouldn't have had a start. I wouldn't have had the opportunity. Uh, so to both of them, I'll be forever grateful. Anything specifically you've learned from, uh, well, let's start with coach bird. Cause obviously you played with him and you were around him kind of, a, you know, as a player now as an adult in your coaching career, but anything specifically you've learned from him that you've tried to apply to what you do? Yeah, he, he, he was probably the most prepared coach that I've ever been around, you know, in my life. Um, you know, playing for him, I, you know, I don't – being on that side of it, you don't get to see everything that he does. But flipping to the other side and I can see how he did it and, you know, how much of it he did. Um, and I think that is really what helped us be – um, as good as like some of the teams I was on, you know, his level of preparedness was something that I try to, you know, take with me, you know, getting ready for like different seasons, different games, all that. People who've listened to this podcast over the last year know that, you know, I basically have a love affair with coach bird, the basketball coach, because I just, I think he's such a genius in what he does on the offensive end of the floor. It's well known in college circles. In the NBA, how much of it translates do you find? Oh, sorry, can you say that again? What? 
Well, well, just like what he did in college basketball in some ways is almost revolutionary from sets to how free-flowing the offense was and all that. The NBA game is obviously different to a degree. Okay, yeah, yeah. But how much do the basketball principles translate? Well, I think back to, um, you know, how we played at Belmont. You know, I remember my first ever workout at Belmont. It was the summer after I graduated high school. And, you know, I was the classic freshman. I thought I was really, really talented and really good. But I remember just, like, taking probably what I look back to being a bad shot. And, you know, Coach Bird was encouraging us to really, really get to the rim or, like, shoot threes. And that's just one example of, like, how they're very similar. Like, you see how we played at Belmont, pretty free-flowing, shot a lot of threes, you know, especially at that time. Um, and then some of the things, like, we did defensively at Belmont um, – or NBA principles as well, you know, whether that's switching, um, icing things on icing ball screens on the side, um, all that. So I, I think basketball translates to basketball, whatever level it is, you know, there's little things, some of it does, some of it doesn't. Brad Stevens, I feel fortunate enough to have met a couple of times through Coach Bird as well. Obviously, people are very familiar with the job he did at Butler and getting the back-to-back national championships the job he did with the Celtics and all the success and the deep playoff runs there. What can you say about Brad? Brad, you talked a little bit about the person, but in terms of the basketball mind or basketball genius of Brad Stevens. I feel like you said it, you know, he's, <laughs> he's obviously very, very smart. Um, he's had a lot of success. So um, every stop he's been, you know, and I think that goes to, all his credit of how he approaches every single day, you know, similar to Coach Baird, extremely, extremely prepared, um, working at it every day, What whether it's game planning, player development, scouting, whatever it is, like, you know, they're making sure that they are some of the most prepared coaches um, and as prepared as possible. And as you get set for this season in training camp in Utah, your title is assistant coach, but do you have specific duty you know are they split pretty equally amongst the staff or do you specifically work with wings or big men or or what what are kind of your job duties as you get started in training camp yeah so a lot of my uh responsibilities here in utah um include it's mostly player development you know i'm on the court a lot with our young players um, we get on the court early early in the morning uh every single day before practice before shoot arounds before games um, and really just focusing on helping them get better. That's my number one uh, focus and job here. And that was something I know you did a lot of when you were with the Celtics as well. Uh, we've seen the development with guys like Gordon Hayward in Utah. Are there any, I don't know if there's there's good anecdotal stories, but there are there any guys you look at and I guess take a great deal of pride in and what you've been able to do with them as they transition to that NBA level to continue to have success? Uh, I mean, I always think of it as like the basketball is the basketball, but you know, like when I get to go to different places, you know, um, you know, for example, when I went back to Boston last year, uh, or when Boston came here, even I got to see Grant Williams, who I, I had worked with a lot and, you know, he's obviously a great player. And, um, but you know, the number one thing was just checking in on him as a guy and the personal relationships that I've been able to grow through that is far outweighs the actual basketball piece of it. It's very cool. I'm curious, sometimes when you look at guys who are elite, elite players 
at whatever level they were at. It doesn't always translate into being a great coach necessarily. You were a great, great player at the college level, but you also kind of had to adapt from being a wing guy to a guy who played down low. How much do you think that adaptability helped you in this role now and being able to teach the game and relate the game back to the guys you're working with? Uh, maybe a little bit. Um, I think I think more important than that is I've had really good people invest in me uh, throughout my life, you know, whether it's my high school coach, Coach Bird, or the Coach Stevens. Yeah, I mean, Coach Hardy here in Utah invested so much time when uh, that year we worked together in Boston. Um, so having those people invest all that time in, like, me uh, and helping me along the way uh, really means the world, and I think it helped me more than anything. You guys obviously take a lot of that Boston experience with you to Utah and what you're trying to do out there. That includes being in the NBA Finals just two springs ago in 2022. That's the pinnacle of the sport right there, Evan, to be a part of that. The the highest level in the championship series. What was that like? Uh, it's something I'll never forget. You know, uh, being in that opportunity or having that opportunity, like, not taking it for granted, soaking it up. Um, it was amazing. Like you said, it's the pinnacle. Um, unfortunately, we lost, but, you know, something I'll never forget. How much does that drive you when you wake up every day or you begin to start training camp this year with the Jazz to get back there and, and have that feeling again and obviously hopefully this time get over the hump? Yeah, I think if you ask every single person that works in the NBA, like, what their ultimate goal is, it's to win an NBA championship. You know, it's – there's nothing nothing better in my opinion. I have to imagine, though, it, like, feels a bit more real now, having gone through that experience. You know, all of us watched those forever growing up. Very few people get to experience it like you do. Yeah, like I said, like, it's something, like, I never expected. You know, I never expected to be, you know, in, working in the NBA, you know, coming from a small town in Ohio, like – I wanted to play college basketball and I fulfilled that dream. And then, you know, luckily for me, I got to keep going and, you know, a different route into the NBA. And, you know, it's something I'll never forget getting to the NBA finals, but hopefully, hopefully down the line, it happens again. Yeah. Something tells me there's a lot more in front of you and more opportunities like that. Let's take a step back now and think a little bit about your time at Belmont as a player. And I want to talk specifically, you mentioned earlier about stepping onto campus and thinking, Man, I'm pretty good. I, I can play, right? And at that time, you, you were a win. That's how you were recruited. You ended up being one of the most proficient and efficient inside scorers in all of college basketball. When Coach Bird first approached you about playing inside, what did that conversation go like? I don't remember the exact details, but I was probably willing to do whatever he said just because – I got to play, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I don't remember, but, you know, it's probably something to where I was just hoping that if it helped me get on the court, I'll do whatever he wants. Um, and luckily, like we've been talking about, he's was the smartest guy in the room at all times, so he knew what he was doing. How tall are you officially? Uh, I want to say 6'6". Six, six. Okay. 
I, I knew it was in that. I six don't, don't want to get made fun of if I say I'm taller or shorter, you know, so that's like a happy medium. I feel like. Well, but that's about right where I think you were listed throughout your college careers, right? In that six, six range, certainly not the typical post player, but you scored on everybody. Evan. How did you develop that game? What, what came so naturally to you about scoring inside? Um, I mean, one, let's give credit to like coach, our coaches at Belmont. Like we ran a very, very high level offense, you know, in my time there. Um, it also helped when I played with guys like Amanze and Taylor Barnett, Austin Luke, Nick Smith, all those guys who could really shoot the ball. Uh, so I wasn't really double teamed a ton. You know, and if I was, they would just make threes, which either way was good with me. Um, but I just feel like I, I I don't know what, like how I developed the touch that I had. I would say like growing up, I didn't have a three-point line at my house in the backyard. So maybe some of that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, like it was just something that Coach Bird and the team needed. So like I tried to fulfill that and, you know, playing four years of it. Uh, really helped as well. Well, man, did you develop over the course of those four years and you finished your career as the all-time leading scorer in Belmont's NCAA Division One history. There's been a lot of good players to go through that program, Evan. How much do you wear that as a badge of honor to have that title? I mean, it, it, it's cool, but, you know, you know, I think the cooler thing is just the amount of ex like great experiences I had playing for Belmont. The, um, the teammates that I had, the great players that I got to play with um, and the coaches that I got to play for. Like, you know, I'll, I'll never forget those times. And the record's cool, but, you know, it's it's very, very low on my list of cool things at Belmont. I think back on your career, and it's a few years ago now, but I think buzzer beaters, championship games that were absolutely incredible, postseason moments, what are the one or two moments that immediately stick out to you when you think back on your college career? Uh, the game, uh, the buzzer beater that I, I mean, my roommate Taylor Barnett hit um, in the championship game against Murray State. That was obviously the craziest moment, you know, in our career, or in my career at least. I also remember when, you know, JJ Mann, when I was a freshman, absolutely going off at North Carolina and we won at North Carolina. That was another big uh, moment. Um, those are probably the two that stick out the most. Yeah. And I believe you had the baseball pass too, to beat Lipscomb. Oh yeah. Yeah. Two, so. was, yeah. I forgot about that one. Um, you could try it out for quarterback after that. Uh, I don't know about that. That's like a little thing that I remember like coach bird always talking to us about like at the end of the game, like if, the team goes up and the clock doesn't stop. You got to throw it to the front court, uh, throw it as far as you can and hope that your teammate gets it. Uh, because if you throw it in the back court, you're throwing up a half court shot at best. Um, and luckily Dylan caught the ball and made the layup. Uh, it was an incredible play, the spur of the moment and goes down in Belmont history for sure. As you look around at, at kind of NBA circles now, obviously Ben just got drafted this summer, a few years ago, Dylan Windler, who caught that pass, by the way, in that Lipscomb game, gets drafted in the first round. You see what uh, Drew Hanlon's doing in 
and working out with guys. How much do you see kind of Belmont infiltrating the NBA? And do you take a little level of pride in that, that your program is is really sort of taking it to the next level and, and there is a real appreciation for what Belmont basketball and the players and the coaching there is now? For sure. I mean, I think as long as I'm in this game and, you know, as long as I'm doing this, whenever someone from Belmont, you know, makes their way to the NBA in any capacity, I'll be proud. Like you said, Paris Blossom, I know she works for the Thunder. I get to see her a few times a year. Um, but, yeah, it, Adam Barnes works for the Pelicans. You know, like every time I see those guys and gals, like it's it's great. You know, it's good to see them. It obviously makes me proud to be a Bruin. And, you know, I'll whoever comes, even if I didn't play with them, like I didn't play with Ben, but, you know, of course he's a Bruin, so I'm happy for him and happy for anyone that gets to come this way. I mean, there's a 30-plus year history of Belmont basketball greatness now, starting with Coach Bird in the NAIA days. But to see it trickle into the NBA like it has, I think is real validation for the program. And then you see the program itself transition after a great decade in the OVC into the basketball-rich Missouri Valley Conference last year. I know you're busy with 82 games and all, but how much do you get to watch your old team in Belmont play? And what do you think of what Casey's been able to do in a few short years? Yeah, honestly, I don't get to watch as much as I would like. Um, but I do try to follow along as much as possible, whether that's, you know, checking the scores the next day or whatever. Um, but I can only speak to, uh, you know, playing Casey on the other side. You know, Casey's teams were always, again, well-prepared. They were always good, very talented, you know, and to watch him take the, like you said, Belmont from the OVC to the Missouri Valley, I think the staff there, they've done a great job. Like that's not, that's not an easy transition, you know, for anyone, you know, like you said, coach bird did it, you know, taking it from NAIA to division one. So um, I'm, like I said, I'm extremely proud to be a Belmont Bruin and try to keep up as much as possible. The case is a bit of a character. We've talked a little bit before on the podcast about some of his practical jokes and things like that. He does. That's a great part about traveling with a team, especially in college and how close you are with everybody. Cause you hang out off the floor so much too. You got any funny stories about coach bird or I know Craig Bradshaw was a character. You room with Taylor Barnett. You got any juice you want to spill on anybody here? <laughs> I, I just remember it's funny. Like I live in Utah now. Um, and I love it out here. And I remember we had like a really bad road trip out to Utah to play BYU when I was in college. It's it's funny to think back. Uh, I think a couple of us, I spent the night in the hospital before the game. Um, one of our players, I think it was Amonze, rolled his ankle before the game. Um, and I think a few of our staff members might have got sick. And there was no hot water at the hotel. So it was just like one of those road trips that didn't go well for many different reasons and it's just you know all comes full circle with me living out here now wow. and we that, lost so that that didn't help either that that's a uh that's quite a memory for sure and hopefully a lot better memories now with utah you get set for your second season training camp opens up here shortly what are you most excited about with this team in year two i'm excited to get the guys back in and you know get started i I'm really pumped for our year. You know, we have a great group of guys, and I'm excited to see what we can do, you know, as a unit and as a team. It's going to be fun.
you guys got off to a really good start last year. You shocked a lot of people, I think, with how quickly you got out of the gate. You were you were in it right down to the end of the season. Do you feel a little bit like there's some unfinished business there? Do you feel like that was the perfect foundation for what's ahead? Or what's kind of the mindset as you come back to practice? Uh, I think we have to take this year and just continue to get better as a group. You know, last year, like you said, we, we had a pretty good year, you know, um, in a couple different ways. But, you know, I think this is a new year, a new team. And um, we just have to take it day by day and try to get a little bit better every day. This is going to be fun. you got a lot of young, talented guys like Jordan and Lori on that team. It's going to be fun to watch how they develop throughout this season and beyond. As you look at your career at this point, you've had a lot of hats already in a short time in the NBA. You said you've fallen in love with this coaching thing. Do you have any? Can you even allow yourself to think of sort of aspirations with that? I mean, do you want to be a head coach? Would you ever consider going to college and taking that route of things or or just – is it just simply about like getting through tomorrow and doing the best you can right now with the jazz? Yeah. I think um, what you said, I got a great piece of advice when I was relatively young is, you know, be really, really good at what you're doing, you know, and whatever happens happens basically. Um, so like you said, like I'm trying to go day by day here and really focus on helping guys get better. I've got three wrap up questions that we ask everybody on the program, but before that, just to kind of wrap this all up about your coaching thing. When you came to Belmont as a player and you didn't even know what the college career would look like, but you wanted to be the best player you could and hopefully play as long as you could after that to seeing where you are now, multiple years into a NBA coaching and staff career. Could you ever have imagined that 12, 13 years ago or whatever it was? And what was it about Belmont that set you up for the success you've had? Well, to answer the first part, there was absolutely no way uh, that I would have ever imagined this. Um, being at any level past college basketball probably was outside of my you know, mind at the time. Um, the thing about Belmont is it it's a special place and it will be special to me forever. There are so many people there that helped me during my time there. And again, invested time into me that I think it helped me as soon as I got out of Belmont or I graduated from Belmont, uh, whether that was, you know, professors, administrators, teachers, whoever it was like, or not teachers, professors, sorry, uh, or the athletic department. Like there's so many people investing time into the athletes and the students there that, it really helps set them up uh, for their next journey. Well, that's great. And certainly a lot of people around here are still very much rooting for you. Now, jazz fans, as you get set for the season. So let's get to the final three. And again, we ask everybody who comes on this podcast, these questions, because they're kind of blue skyish questions. And I think they give everybody a little bit better idea of who you are beyond just Evan Brad's the basketball player or now coach. So the first one is, if you weren't doing what you're doing, if you weren't an NBA assistant coach right now or or even had the opportunity to play professional basketball after your career, what would you be doing right now? Oh, um, 
I think I probably would have went into some sort of education route. Um, I think that might have given me a chance to, you know, continue to help people be better, whether it's, you know, on the court or in some type of education route. I think that's probably where I would have went. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense with what you're doing and developing guys and talent. So that, that, that seems about right. Second one would be what inspires you? When you wake up every day early to get after it in the gym, what's the thing that makes you tick to be the best that you possibly can be? Uh, I think, you know, helping helping players get better. I, that sounds super simple and cliche even, but, you know, if I can help them be a little bit better than they were the other day, then, you know, that's a that's a good day in my mind. Okay, I'll add on to that real quickly. And it had to be awesome when you achieve something as a player, working hard to do it. But is there like an extra level of satisfaction almost to doing what you're doing now? When you see a Grant Williams or a Gordon Hayward take that next step or do that next thing that you've been working on, is, is there something kind of truly special about being a part of that? Yeah, I think it's – yeah, I think it's finding joy in other people's success. You know, it's what you're saying. You know, you know, if someone does something that you worked on in the gym, yeah, you're right. Like it's there's a little bit extra there, and you're really just happy for them um, and how it's going. Okay, and then last thing, Evan, when you're working hard and you get that moment to take a deep breath, or, or maybe it's in the middle of the season after a grind, and you have a big win, and then maybe like a, a day off or something like that. What do you do to kind of step back and get away from it all? Is it like a great dinner out in Salt Lake with your wife maybe? Is it like a good bottle of wine at home or a Netflix show? Or like, like what is it that you do to kind of step back and, and refresh and get ready again? Hmm. I mean, being out here in Utah, um, I love being outside here. You know, if we have a day off, I try to spend as much time outside you know, with my wife and the dog, like there's just something to living out here and being between two mountain ranges that there's always something to do outside. Oh, that's pretty special. I was just at a wedding actually in Park City. And oh, oh man, yeah. I'm not sure I've ever seen a better Vista for a wedding before. It was, it was perfect. Oh yeah. Park City is great. Well, that's awesome. Well, Evan, thank you so much for your time. I know you're getting busy to ramp things up again. And we'll certainly be watching back here in Nashville. We're so proud of what you did here. Now we're proud of what you're doing in the NBA as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.